Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John, Joe, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. We have another guest, our our studio audience of one, but it's a rotating audience now. We did not give her a microphone? The roommate of Laugh Track Girl. That's Uh, right. Her name is Cindy O'Boyle. Her laugh is much quieter. She's going to have spiritual direction... (laughs) Spiritual direction in uh, about 15 minutes, depending on how long Joe blabs for. But uh, so pray for her poor soul. Thanks for your vote of confidence. The, uh, she also wanted to be here, though, because of the topic, because she loves deacons. Mm-hmm. And she's from Montana, where women are deacons, I think. And she wants to be a deacon. She so. aspires. She's an aspiring deacon. <laughs> she works for this program called Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So Focus. once put out a certain person named Nathan Goebel, but now puts out people like Cindy. Very That's different. Right. Very different. Uh, we still we can't get through one podcast without ripping on Goal. or women for that matter. That's true. That's we're gonna horrible. get we're gonna get angry emails for that. Thanks a lot. Yep. So you want to tell us about how awesome it is to be a deacon? Well, I'm not a deacon yet, but and when this podcast comes out, uh, I will be a week from Wednesday. What is it? Yeah, so I'll be four days from a deacon. I'll be ordained Crazy. to the diaconate. Two weeks from tomorrow or Saturday. Wow, so like crazy! It is crazy. It's really wild. Just so you, if you know, if you know anybody who's in seminary, who is getting ready to be ordained, you told me this, I think, and I remember going through this with you, that objectively, the priesthood's kind of like the big one. Yes. You know, that's when you're you're finished with seminary, you're yes. going into ministry full-time. But subjectively, the diaconate is when you kind of lay your life down. That's when you give everything away. I totally agree. It and is. that's when you were freaking out, if I I was never freaking out. I was... Okay, you're full. always freaking out. Okay, yeah, that's true. It was uh, a little heightened... During that period, it's crazy though. It's crazy how fast uh, seminary, how fast life goes. I it's remember wild. when you were just a wee lad in the spirituality year with mm-hmm. half a head of hair, and uh, here <laughs> you are now. Just joking. I'm I'm depressed too because six months from today I turn thirty. Oh wow! Congratulations! So, that's awesome. No, that's not awesome. So that's a big step. So yeah, I'll be a deacon in two weeks, and I'm not quite freaking out, but it's yeah. It actually, yes, yeah, so I'm freaking out a little bit. You sh- yeah, it's there's a, a fair amount of freakage. It's only your whole life kind of committing. It's a while, and the weirdest thing about it is that uh, you know, when you're, I have eight siblings who are married, and when you get married, your life kind of stops when you're preparing for the wedding. I mean, the, at least the month leading up, everything else kind of falls in the background, and, and it's kind and of your all you're doing too. Yeah, yeah, and, and for everybody around you. Uh, but for this, it's like I have class. Pretty much all the time. Yeah. I'm going on a retreat this week, which will be great. I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, but I have I have class the day before I get ordained. Which is insane. It's totally insane. It's right in the middle of the semester. And so my life feels really normal besides, you know, a few like invitations. The fact stuff. that like the biggest moment of your life is about to happen. Exactly. That's what's re- <laughs> that's the weirdest part about it. Yeah. And uh, you're kind of just going through it on your own. I mean, I'm getting ordained with five, six other guys. But it is, uh, it is it's just a very strange experience. It's hard to explain to someone who's not going through it themselves. You've been through it. so I, I think you you guys actually have done a very good job these last couple months of uh, in your preparations because there's a lot of spiritual attack too. It's not just yeah freaking out because men hate commitment, but it's also uh, you know just all kinds of weird stuff. This, yeah. is, this is big. It's, it's very exciting. It's and we're going to have a killer party afterwards, which my mother is planning. That's right. Yeah, Nathan Goebel and I are both getting ordained. With another guy. Fancy that. And Jason Wunsch, who's a friend of ours, com- fellow companion. And we're having a joint party. Which would be awesome at uh, Macleod Mary North Glen with Father Brian Martin. North Glen. Yep, so it'd be awesome. But we're not here to talk about me getting ordained. We're here to talk about the diaconate in general, which is actually much more interesting than you'd probably imagine. Uh, most people have experiences of deacons in their parish, at least in America, uh, um, where there are, I think, eighty percent of the deacons in the world are from America and Europe. 
I believe it. Isn't that wild? Yep, I believe it. So you see deacons at the parish. Uh, you know, they're they're preaching sometimes on Sundays. Most of the time, they're just up there with Father, saying a few things during the Mass. Right. And some people might think, wow, okay, the deacons must have been in the church all along, and this is kind of normal. Actually, it's kind of a historical anom- anomaly that the we last, have for the, the last, last 50 40, years. 50 years since Vatican II, uh, where the permanent diaconate was kind of reinstated. But before that, no one really became deacons unless they were becoming priests. Like, so myself, I'm being ordained a transitional deacon, quote unquote, that's what it's called, because I'm going to, I'm transitioning into the priesthood and the, as opposed to permanent deacons. Um, but the permanent deacons haven't really been around since the sixth century. They kind of fell I was going to ask you when, if it was, if it's being restored, when did it? Uh... Yeah. Fifth, sixth century around that time. That's where you, you, you stopped seeing the permanent diaconate. Do you know why it fell out of style? Well, we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, who, who are your favorite deacons of all time? Stephen. Stephen's a big one. So St. Stephen, the first martyr, he's in the scriptures, Acts of the Apostles. St. Lawrence is a big one people know about. Francis. Fran- Francis of Assisi was a deacon. A lot of That's people it. don't know that. They think he was a priest uh, or just a brother. But Francis of Assisi, af- long after he started the Franciscans, uh, became yeah. a deacon. Do you have any cool. favorite deacons, Cindy? Deacon Fred from her parish. Deacon that Fred. would be. Uh... Is that a guy or a girl? <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so. Oh, so you have deacons in the Bible. Do you know, here's some, a little Greek test, easy one for you. Diakonia is the word in Greek where deacon comes from, mm. which means, I know, it's... A, <laughs> no, I don't know. Go will ask me the most ridiculous... You don't know what this is? Yeah, servant. Okay. Uh, diakonia is, is service. Right. Diakonane is to serve. Right. And so in the, <clears throat> in, the, um, in the scriptures and in history in the early church, you, you see the word diakonia all over the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And it's not always in reference to deacons because it's just the word for service. So Jesus was a diakonia... And he came to <clears> – <throat> sorry, I have a pecan in my How are you doing throat. over there? You know, I like melted down a couple podcasts ago. I got something in my throat. So I don't know. There's something this, in the air down here in Musset's basement. Uh, I think it's basement. just the cashew I ate right before this. You had a cashew? Yeah. That's, With that no water? No yeah. water. No water. <laughs> Welcome right. to Philadelphia. Okay, go ahead. Continue. So the order of the diaconate historically we think started in the Acts of the Apostles. We have right. it there. You know, apostles called together. The multitude of disciples. This is from the Acts of the Apostles. And it says, And they said, It's not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve diaconine tables. Wherefore, brethren, choose seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business of serving tables. But we will give ourselves, the priests, the Mm -hmm. apostles, continuously to prayer and to the ministry, the diaconia, of the word. So the apostles were about the diaconia of the word, and they needed deacons to serve tables. And the saying, uh, you know, everybody liked this by all, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and six other guys, and, uh, and, they, and they put them before the apostles, and they, praying, imposed hands upon them. So this is in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, so this is seen as like the origin of the diaconate. But the confusing thing is that, I forget which letter it is, maybe it's Romans or something like that, where Paul talks about uh, Phoebe, who's a, and he, he refers to her as a deaconess, you yeah. know, of, of the church of Rome or I right. forget which letter it is. Um, and so there's, there's different people called deacons. And then there's like the devil is called a deacon at one point of, of evil or something okay. like that in the scripture. So the term diaconine, like diaconia. Which Gnostic gospel are you reading? Exactly. Diaconine or diaconia. This is like a term that got thrown around a lot. Gotcha. Uh, but the office itself of deacon, what we know as the diaconate, uh, was something that existed from the beginning, but the terminology around it was kind of loose and ambiguous. So we could bit. say, like, by the time the pastoral letters of Paul are written, it's it's a clarified rank. Not really that much, because he he. Re- I mean, it's just very confusing because people talk about deacons who 
we think, oh, these were deacons like we know deacons, or are they just saying these were servants or ministers? Uh, anytime, they, anytime you see the word minister, uh, it's, almost, it's almost always in the Greek, diakona, uh, which is just kind of wild. So, um, but we know, at least by the 200s, Irenaeus, uh, he refers to St. Stephen as the first deacon. And by the 200s, the, the order and the terminology were kind of lined up. Well, I would challenge you, though. I think it's earlier than that. I think it's St. Ignatius of Antioch, right? Has oh he talks about the deacons? He's in his got letter. it pretty clear. But again, if you're mm-hmm. that's the same time period as Paul, so right, right, that's true. Anyways, first, I don't century. think we're denying. Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. Okay, yeah. So in history, what did the deacons do? So you have the episcopoi, the bishops, right? The presbytery, the priests, gray-haired ones, the gray-haired ones, the elders, yeah, and the uh, diaconoi, the deacons. So in history, what do you think the deacons do? Or they're like, you know, we we know the serving tables was part of it. Hold the chalice. They hold the chalice at the Great Amen during the liturgy. Uh, but what else do they do? They serve tables. You already said that. I serve Distribute tables. the Eucharist. No. Or was it the presbytery in the early yeah, no, church? that's part of it. Uh, the sick? They deal with the sick? They deal with the sick and the poor. Ah, gotcha. Sick and the poor. So they would uh, – excuse me. They uh, Cashews. <laughs> I know. Doing all kinds of things. Working a number nice. on me. Burping. It's like um, baby food cashews or something. So they, they would – actually part of their role was to be like the right-hand man of the ah. bishop. Did you know this? Well, they still are. Well, right? they kind of are. I mean, the parish, they're not as much because they're at the parish. They're kind of a- Well, with our bishop, I'll tell you this. Uh, on Tuesday night, Archbishop came up to Boulder, and he's like, you, your deacon better be there. And our deacon's an old guy, and it was oh, 9 cool. p.m. mass, and he was like, what? <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> but the, he was like, I have to have a deacon at my side. Interesting. I know so, Shapu was really big about having the deacons. Yeah. In the ordination, so when I'm ordained to the diaconate in two weeks, uh, normally at a priest ordination, always at a priest ordination, the bishop ordains the priests by the imposition of hands, and then all the other priests who are present come and lay hands upon them as well. Right. But at the ordination of a deacon, just the bishop lays hands. And the reason for that is that it's to illustrate the significance of the relationship between the priest or the uh, bishop and the deacon, that there's a unique relationship there. And this goes back to the early church because what the deacons would do, they would, you know, they would help preside at you know, the liturgy and stuff like that. They'd have a role there. But they would also serve the sick and the poor, and they would be... Uh, they would be in charge of financial arrangements in the church. They kind of much. They pretty much held the purse strings for the diocese in the early church, hmm. which is interesting because they kind of Deacon Neil at our seminary is like the f- internal finance guy, and so I was like, oh, just like Deacon Neil, you know, he's, he's holding. I the just purse got strings. an email from him because I screwed up my taxes. There you go. In That's, 2011. That makes sense. Yeah. So the, the deacon would be the guy emailing people in the second century saying, "Hey, you, you screwed, screwed up your taxes, taxes. presbyter." Okay, exactly. Um, so. St. Lawrence, who is an uh, early church martyr, he was right. the guy who was fried, and he said, turn me over, I'm right, down on the side. Right, you know? right. And interesting story about St. Lawrence, when he, there was this big persecution in Rome, and the, the uh, I forget who the Caesar was, the Roman emperor, but he said to Lawrence, because Lawrence was in charge of the purse strings of the diocese, and he says, I want, the, I want the money, I want the church's money. You know, He says, okay, well, come, back, come back tomorrow, and I'll give you the church's money. And he comes back the next day with all the poor and the sick of the diocese of Rome, and he says, here, this is the treasures of the church right yeah. here. And that really ticked off the uh, Roman emperor, so he fried him. Smart Alec. Exactly. But that illustrates that St. Lawrence, one, was you know, the financial guy for the diocese. Right. And two, that he was responsible for the poor and the sick. And so what they would do, the churches were much smaller back then. It's not like Denver where we have, I don't know, 400,000 people in the diocese. Uh, but back then, it was there was a bishop in each town pretty much, which is why even to this day in Italy – there's a ton of bishops because there's a ton of dioceses because in the early church, dioceses just grew by the town. Next town over was another diocese with right, its own bishop. Right. And so the um, 
the deacons would, part of their role was to be the right-hand man of the bishop, the eyes and the ears, and they would go out and find who are the sick in our church, who are the poor in our church, and then he would come to the bishop and say, these are the people who are in most in need, and the bishop would say, okay, here, here's money, you know, go take money to them, go take care of them. So his job was kind of to be the servant of the most needy mm. in the church, which is really beautiful. Yeah, that's kind cool. of wild. Which yeah, is cool. And even to this day, there's still when the permanent diaconate in Vatican II uh, in the 60s was restored, and that was kind of a, a wild thing. In Lumen Gentium, they reinstated, or at least said, we're going to reinstate the permanent diaconate. The three things that they talked about were uh, preaching the word. So they have a they're custodians of the gospels in some sorts. So when I'm ordained, they'll give me a book of the gospels. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, the the deacon during the liturgy is actually, he's the one who's supposed, sometimes you have a, one of the lectors do it, but he's actually the one who's supposed to process him with the gospel raised above. And he's the one who's supposed to read the gospel because he has a certain uh, custody of the gospel. So that's one. He's also supposed to, uh, part of his ministry is works of charity. So deacons are supposed to be working with the poor in some capacity. This whole idea of service, you know. And I forget what the third one is, but there's another one too. Maybe I'll maybe it'll come up as I'm keep going. Yeah, I used to know this because I still am a deacon technically. It doesn't yeah, just right. kind of go away. You're a deacon forever. Oh, you know the other thing they would do too? They were kind of like the bouncers at the liturgy. Really? Yeah. So now that's funny. Crystal- it's just funny. They were they were the ones who would keep order in the liturgy. So even now you have like directional things in the liturgy. The deacons will say. So he'll be the one who's like, "Let us kneel. Or Let us stand." <laughs> yeah, real like, tough. Hey, everybody, do stuff. You know, or. You know, now let us offer each other the sign of peace, the deacon says, or the dismissal. You know, the masses. Or now it's bow down for the blessing. Hey, hey, everybody, bow down for the blessing. Bow down for the blessing. But in the Eastern Church, and you know this because you've been to some Eastern liturgies, you know, they have the, you know, the doors, the doors, they say. Uh, Before they read the gospel, they have, for some reason, part of the liturgy is to say the doors, (laughs) the doors, wisdom, be attentive. And I never knew what that was. But what basically what that was is in the early church, the liturgies were closed to non-Christians. So if you were a Christian, you could come to liturgy, but if you weren't a Christian, you couldn't even come to mass. Like you wouldn't invite your friends to mass. When people would get baptized, they'd get baptized outside of the church and then they would be brought into the church for the first time. And part of the whole the doors, the doors things was that the the deacon was to make sure, hey, everybody in here is Christian, right? And so let's shut the doors to keep everybody out because, so be attentive. So that's kind of why they were like the bouncers of the early church in the liturgy, which I thought was kind of fun. I would want Chris Lebsack as my deacon then, if they're still the bouncers. This is a guy from Montana. Who, this he would, be, shout out he would to him. be a great he deacon. Listens. In fact, St. John Chrysostom, I found this line. He says, he says he's, if anyone misbehave in the liturgy, let the deacon be summoned. Nice. So, the deacon the be summoned. The is going to come. I have a uh, guy who's in my Bible study, Matt Conahan. You remember Matt Conahan? Yeah. He is now an MMA fighter. That's right. Just won his first fight, but he sent me a photo, and he's got his rosary in his hands, all bloody. <laughs> and it says, the minister of pain. No is way. His, uh, is his MMA fight. I was like, oh, good Lord. So, Are you sure he's not like WWF wrestling? Yeah, maybe. It I sounds like MMA that. fighters have uh, nicknames like <laughs> well, that. Well, he's the minister of pain, but he'd be a good deacon. We should tell him that. He's probably got a vocation. That is awesome. Okay, so you have deacons in the early church, and then they kind of decline. And the reason they decline is kind of twofold. One, there was a lot of misunderstanding about what the roles of the deacons was. Uh, like, it seemed, because at one point they were really powerful. I mean, because they were, su- they were such a close tie to the bishops, so they were right. the right hand of the bishops. Uh, and so there's just confusion. Is this its own order? Are they, are there, is it good, like, bishop, deacon, priest? What is this? What is, you know, in fact, actually, it's kind of interesting. I think it was in the 5th century or something like that. 35 of the 37 popes elected 
uh, 35 of the 37 may have just been deacons without being priests. Really? We know that two of them are priests, but the rest, we know that there were some deacons who were not priests elected to the papacy, and they were just ordained priests and bishops. Wow, and elected. crazy. But that just shows how influential and kind of powerful they became. Or that you could be pope in a couple of weeks. Exactly. You know, it's you possible. Never know. You just need to be a baptized Christian. Well, I was thinking about also Deacon Alcuin, 11th century. You know, he was like the right hand. He was the guy. Oh, in, really? In Charlemagne's so, empire. So maybe it didn't fall out completely. Charlemagne yeah. was in the 8th century, 800s. Yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> about Good. that. Okay, so the diaconate kind of falls out of use. And then by the Middle Ages, it's like pretty much the only deacons are, unless somebody like St. Francis uh, wants to be a permanent deacon and just stay at that, pretty much everybody who was ordained a deacon was on their way to becoming a priest. Gotcha. And so, and that's kind of how it went through all the Middle Ages and stuff like that. But, and then in Vatican II, uh, they restored the permanent diaconate. And the reason, do you know why they restored it? I don't. The conversation around it was this, is that uh, places in the world that were kind of growing mission territories, uh, specifically Brazil, I think was where the conversation started, because you would have so few priests in this huge country. I mean, Brazil is larger, I think, than the 48 states of America. And uh, there were so few priests that you'd have a lot of laymen, male catechumens, or catechumens, uh, catechism teachers, right, you know, pretty right, much, right. who would be presiding at, uh, you know, what do they call it? Communion services, yeah. giving reflections. So they're kind of preaching and they're baptizing and they're presiding at weddings and they're doing all the stuff that pretty much deacons do. And so the bishops of Brazil, as they're preparing for the Vatican Council, proposed the question, can we restore this? Can we offer the grace to these men who are already serving our church really faithfully? Um, and so that's how the conversation kind of got started. And so at Vatican II, Lumen Gentium, they decided to go. And they, what they had in mind was these mission territories where there weren't enough vocations of the priesthood, but there were men, married men who were serving in the church. So they said, let's, let's restore this order. You know, mm. this is, there's a history of this in the church. This could be really fruitful. And so that's kind of how it started. But the weird thing is that it never really took off in those places where, which it was intended for. For the, the places, places, and it did in the West. Exactly. Where like, they wanted basically married priests. Yeah. Well, that w- that was actually part of the conversation. And, uh, the, in, in Lumen Gentium, it says specifically, even married men, this will be extended to, mm. which is kind of wild. Um, but the interesting thing is in the early church, there were married deacons and married priests for that matter. But there – and there's no dispute about that. There were definitely married clergy. Right. But the other thing there was no dispute about is Continence. that – Continence. Yeah. There's no dispute that every married priest or married deacon was continent. So they made a commitment when they got married or when they got ordained that they could no longer have sexual relations with their wife. So it's kind uh, of a big commitment. I know. I know. And, and you know, we don't have that. The Vatican II didn't even touch on this at all. Not, they didn't even have a conversation about it. It's not in the documents. It's not in the the records of the council at all. So for whatever reason, but you know, obviously now we have tons of married deacons, and right. I doubt that they're all constant. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how it started, and that's kind of how it came back, and and now we have tons, tons of deacons. I think there's some parishes in the diocese of Denver who have like I think St. Thomas More has like six permanent deacons. Crazy. It's wild. It's really, I like our guy, and you're. Your uh, your dad? My dad is applying. That's right. Now that's public. <laughs> oh, whoops. no! I just, I'm just joking. <laughs> as soon as I saw so, it, I like, grandma's whoops. hearing that. No, no, no. Yeah, right. Now, my dad's been thinking about it for a couple of years, and uh, it's real exciting. And so, yeah, it's we're kind of waiting in Denver to see how the bishop's going to do the whole process now, the whole seminary process. But yeah, exciting stuff. That's right. It's really wild. Yeah, that was that's one of the uh, been the concerns to at some of the bishops who were against the permanent diaconate at Vatican II. Their cons- one of their big concerns was like, how are we going to form these men? There's tons of, yeah, there, you yeah. know, if we have tons of deacons coming in, we already have seminaries. And it's obviously different. I mean, I've been in seminary for five years and I'm, 
I'm kind of on the fast track. You were in for nine years. Yeah, but most permanent deacons, I think they go to seminary for four. You've only been in seminary for five years? Yeah, I'm in fifth year. Sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty sick. But you gotta, you're going to be a deacon for a year and a half. I'm going to be – I was only a deacon for half a year. That's true. So, Oh, yeah. I didn't talk about deaconesses though. Just a short word on it. The the main reason – so I'm going to start spiritual direction here. I know. Let's sorry. Do, do another podcast on that one. All right. Just a small thing right. because there's going to be confusion about this. Like Because John Paul II we know said that there's, there's not even a question that we can ordain women to the priesthood. Yeah. But he didn't say anything about diaconate. And some people have been like, oh, well, he didn't say anything about diaconate. And there were deaconesses in the early church. At least there's some in scripture. Um and pretty much the deaconesses that are in the early church, and we know that there were people who are called deaconesses, um, they, the re, what they did, they didn't have a role in liturgy as much. Their only role in liturgy was pretty much baptizing uh, women because baptism ritual in the early church was a complete submersion with no clothes on, which is kind of sketchy for, you know, male priests to do and there was anointing on the forehead and on the chest which also would have been very awkward if you weren't wearing clothes so they had deaconesses in fact there's a quote here from uh, 375 Epiphanius who was uh, one of the church fathers he says there is certainly in the church the order of deaconesses but this does not exist to exercise the functions of a priest nor are they to have any undertaking committed to them except for the decency of the feminine sex at the time of baptism so there you go. That's in the fourth century. Nice. Good. Um, That's a good quote. So it, it's it was never an ordained ministry, but it was, it was functional. Exactly. It was a functional thing. And eventually this they kind of just evolved to being yeah. uh nuns, you yeah. know, eventually. And as as nuns grew and more consecrated women entered the religious life, uh there was no the order longer a need for deaconesses yeah. and it kind of fell out of use by the fifth century. So nice. Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at, at gmail.com on Facebook. We got a couple of comments we got to catch up on. Sorry for the emails I haven't responded to. <laughs> and as Father Mike used to say, if you like Catholic stuff, tell your friends. Hey, there you go. Tell your friends. It's a good thing. All right. 